Do you notice something wrong in the world today? Can you feel it? Are you ready for it? More importantly, do you know Christ? Ezekiel 33.3 He sees the sword coming against the land and blows the trumpet to warn the people. Welcome to the podcast. Introducing your host, Jason Hogan. We're going to take a look at baptism. We'll take a look at baptism both inside and outside the Bible. So the first question is, what is baptism? Typically, when you imagine a baptism, we imagine someone being submerged into water. But we're not going to take any guesses at this. We're going to look directly in the Bible, some Bible dictionaries, and try to figure out what exactly this is. So the definition of baptism coming from Google. Baptism comes from Old French, and then we go back to Greek with its baptismos, which means a ceremonial washing. And then the original Greek, baptizin, means immerse, baptize. Here is the website Online Etymology Dictionary, and we're taking a look at the word baptize. My interests are specifically interested in the Christian use. So we can see baptize from baptin, meaning to dip, to steep, to dye or color. And at the end of the article, it says Christian baptism originally was a full immersion. We're going to take a look at a concise dictionary of the words in the Greek Testament with the renderings in the authorized English version by James Strong. Okay, so now I'm going to read off some of these different words that are very similar to baptism in the Greek dictionary. We have baptizo, baptisma, baptismos, baptists, and bapto. So a lot of words starting with bapt. So baptismo, to make whelmed, meaning fully wet, used only in the New Testament of ceremonial ablution, especially of the ordinance of Christian baptism. Then baptisma, it says from baptism, so we can skip that. Then we have baptismos, from ablution, baptism washing. So ablution was a type of a ceremonial washing. We've got baptists. It says, from a baptizer as an epithet of Christ's forerunner. So we're talking about John the Baptist. And then we have bapto, which is a verb. It means to wholly cover with a fluid. In the New Testament, only a qualified or special sense, i.e. to moisten a part of one's person or by implication to stain as with a dye or dip. So there is a repetition in the Greek dictionary as well as the etymological dictionary that the body was fully covered in a fluid. The next thing I want to take a look at is what is christening, because I see a lot of people get the words christening and baptism confused, and they kind of use them interchangeably. To give someone or something a name that reflects a notable quality or characteristic, 
to dedicate ceremonially or use for the first time. That's the informal usage. And the origins are christen, christen, Latin christenus, and then Latin Christus, which means Christ. So the word christening comes from Christ. We can see here from the use of the word that this was typically when the baby was named. So the baby was named at the christening and the baby was dedicated to God. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, we had babies that were actually dedicated to God. And that was normally the first child. And it looks like at that time, that is when the child was first named. So the next question becomes, what is the purpose of the baptism? Acts 2.38 says, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Mark 1.4 reads, John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Matthew 3.11, I will baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Acts 1.5, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Mark 1.8, I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Matthew 21.25, the baptism of John, from where did it come? From heaven or from man? As they discussed it amongst themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say to us, why then did you not believe him? This was actually when Christ was dealing with the Pharisees in Matthew. Acts 22.16, and now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. 1 Peter 3, 20 and 21. Because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited for them in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As we can see from 1 Peter 3.20-21, there is a connection between the baptism and the flood. 1 Peter 3.21, I'll read that again. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Romans 6.3.4 do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Titus 3.5 He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Colossians 2.11-12 In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, whom raised him from the dead. Galatians 3.27 For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greek slaves or free, and are all made to drink of one spirit. Mark 16, 15, 16. And he said to them, 
Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. John 3, 5, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so let's take a look. With all those verses taken into consideration, what is the purpose of baptism? It's an appeal for a good conscience. We can get that from 1 Peter 3 and 21. We can see that it's a washing away of your sins. Acts 22, 16 and Mark 1, 4 can support this. Receiving the Holy Spirit, that's Acts 2.38. That you will walk in a newness of life, Romans 6.4. To put on Christ, so we're talking about Christ's character, Galatians 3.27. Be joined into one body and spirit, we can grasp that from 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. For Christ to later baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, Matthew 3.11. To enter the kingdom of heaven, John 3.5. Next question would be, who should be baptized? Acts 18.8, Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord, together with his entire household, and many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. So we can see belief is a factor here. Acts 19.4, and Paul said, John baptized with baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who has to come after him, that is, Jesus. Again, we can see the belief, and this time it's the belief in Christ, the Son of God. Acts 9.18 And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. We can see here that someone received their sight back in Acts 9.18, and then when his eyes were opened, he obviously believed, and he was baptized. Acts 8.12 But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ... They were baptized, both men and women. Again, we can see this belief in the Son of God. I'm going to read Acts 8, 26 to 40. This is Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south, to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official from Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and began with this scripture. He told him the good news about Jesus. And when they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. 
So if we take a look here, we can see that we have verse 36. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? From 36, it now jumps to 38, where it says, and he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip the eunuch. We're missing verse 37, at least in this translation. I had to do some digging to find out which translation had verse 37. So I found the 1611 King James Bible, which you can find on archive.org. This is the original King James that was scanned. In here, it says, And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doeth hinder me to be baptized? In verse 37, it reads, And Philip said, If thou believeth with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So this is very interesting. Verse 37 specifically gives you the answer here where it says that he had to confess that Christ was the Son of God. Now, there's something very interesting that can come of this. If we notice that verse 37 is removed and verse 37 was saying that the prerequisite, which we saw from other verses, to a baptism was believing that Christ is the Son of God. A question I have is, can a baby be baptized? The answer is obviously no. So that made me wonder, is this verse inside the Catholic Vulgate? When I took a look at the Catholic Vulgate, and specifically the Latin Vulgate where the Catholic Vulgate was translated from, again, we can see verse 37, it doesn't exist. So the Catholic Church removed verse 37, they omitted it. And verse 37 specifically says that the believer has to believe that Christ was the Son of God. Now, we know there's other verses to support this. However, we do see in the Catholic Church that babies are baptized. Now, my question to you, the audience, is can a baby confess that Christ is the Son of God? Can a baby even understand that Christ is the Son of God? Obviously not. So should a baby be baptized? No. We know that a baby can be christened. A baby can be dedicated to God. The first child, just like in the Old Testament, can be dedicated to the Lord. However, can a baby be baptized or should a baby be baptized? Unless a child can confess that Christ is the Son of God, the answer would be no. Another thing that's very interesting about the baptism in the Catholic Church is we can see originally when we saw Christians being baptized, it says that they were baptized by a full immersion. That means they were dipped completely into the water, not water sprinkled on the head, but dipped in a full immersion into the water. So if we have to answer the question of who should be baptized, the answer is anyone who believes Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Acts 2.41 will also confirm this. Let's read Acts 2.41. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Let's take a look a little bit closer at the language here. We're going to take a look at the Greek. If we look at the Greek, we can find that where it says, so then those who had received his word... That word there is actually the Greek word logos. Logos is a word, a statement, a speech, a divine utterance, an analogy. It comes from the word lego. Now I'm going to read John chapter 1, verse 1 to 6. The word became flesh. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In Acts 10.44, chapter heading is the Holy Spirit falls on the Gentiles, to get some context. 
It says, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word. Next question we're going to bring up here is, how do you baptize? Acts 10.48. So Peter ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus the Messiah. Then they asked him to stay there for several days. Acts 19.5. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of Lord Jesus. Acts 10.44-48. The Holy Spirit falls on the Gentiles. So we're going to look at that again and read a little bit more. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because of the gift the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Ephesians 4, 4 4-6 There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Matthew 28, 19 reads, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. I'm going to point something out here. Now, we've noticed there's two ways to baptize. We've already figured out that the body needs to be placed into a full immersion. We've also figured out that you have to have faith in Christ being the Son of God as a prerequisite to being baptized, which scratches off a baby because a baby is not able to identify Christ as the Son of God. Now, let's read the Great Commission. This is going to give us a little bit more clarity. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, now pay very special attention here because Christ is going to give you the instructions for baptism. Notice we were taking a look and we saw Peter giving one set of instructions. Christ, it's a little bit different. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Now here it is. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am always with you to the end of the age. The thing I want to point out that's really important here is there's a slight difference. When we see Jesus give these instructions, we can see there's a slight difference from Peter in the other verses. It specifically says when Christ is talking to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not going to argue if you've been baptized already. If you were only baptized in the name of Jesus, I'm not saying go back and get rebaptized. I'm just pointing out that technically speaking here, if I had to try to discern as to what was the most accurate way to be baptized, I'm going to use the words of Christ over the words of one of the apostles. Just because this is coming from God, I'm going to respect his authority. So if I was to teach someone how to baptize, I'm going to teach full immersion. I'm going to teach that first they must have belief that Christ is the Son of God. And lastly, I'm going to point out that you must baptize or should baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, because that's what Christ is telling us to do directly when he gives us the Great Commission. Now we're going to take a look at Matthew 3.16. This is talking about Christ's baptism. And there's a very interesting piece of language here that can help clarify this idea of full immersion versus just sprinkling water on the head. In Matthew 3.16, it says, After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open. And this is when we see the Holy Spirit descend upon him like a dove. But what's interesting here is when we look at the word that says, 
came. It says, after being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. This word came, it says, to go up or ascend. So this is coming from the words ana and the word basis. Let's take a look at those. So ana in Strong's Concordance is 303. And it says, the definition as a preposition denotes upwards. Up as a prefix denotes up, again, back. Basis means a step, hence a foot. So what we're looking at is to step, moving onward and upward, if you've ever heard of that term before. So if Christ wasn't fully submerged in the water, it's difficult to go onward and upward. You can't come out of something if something is just being placed in your head. So this word here, this word that I'm looking at came, right? As tiny as this little detail is, in order to ascend or to go up, you must be fully submerged to come up. If you're just having water placed on your head, you're not ascending, you're not going up. What's another thing we can see about Christ's baptism? We can find this in Mark chapter 1, verse 4 to 5. It says, John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him and the river Jordan confessing their sins. Okay, the interesting part about this is it tells you where Christ was baptized. Where was he baptized? In the river Jordan. Okay, so if I was going to make up the perfect formula, if I had to say, this is how we're going to get baptized, not assuming that you've been baptized already, we're not going to redo that. But I'm saying, if you are going to show someone new to the church how to baptize, how are you going to do it? My recommendation would be this. You're going to baptize just like how Christ said, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're going to fully submerge that individual. That individual can only be fully submerged in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit when he believes that Christ is the Son of God. And lastly, if Christ was baptized in the River Jordan, well, a river is moving water. Since you're dealing with a God of life, well, a river denotes movement and movement shows life. Where something like a lake, which would be still, or a bathtub, perhaps inside of a church, that's still water. I'm not going to pretend that your baptism is invalid if you didn't follow this exact formula. I'm just saying that if we're going to take a look at the scriptures and scrutinize them very carefully, that sounds like a very accurate formula because what we're doing is we're emulating the baptism that Christ taught us and the steps that we can see John taking when he baptized Christ. Next question here is, who can perform a baptism? Well, we can say for sure an apostle because we can see the apostles were given the Great Commission. But I don't see a reason why one disciple can't baptize another disciple. What you're asking is for the new disciple to confirm with their mouth that Christ is Lord. If that's the case, all it takes is two people going down to a moving water source, baptizing the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, a full submersion. And remember, the baptism itself, it's not magic. The baptism is basically speaking, showing God, outwardly confessing, all right, I'm ready for you to give me what? The Holy Spirit. So the baptism that you're doing is symbolic. It's just a testimony to your father, letting him know that you believe that Christ is in fact the son of God. And then later comes the spirit, as we read already. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. I hope you learned something today about baptism. And please feel free to share this with family and friends. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Brothers and sisters, the sword is coming. If you hear the watchman's call,
please repent and seek out Jesus Christ. There is still time. Check out our website at Ezekiel333.com for more podcasts, videos, and powerful articles. That, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow.